a little bit, um, but for those that don't know you, tell us about yourself. Okay, so my background is in education. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent 38 years as an elementary middle school teacher, and then as a, uh, I retired as an elementary school principal um, in a couple different times, uh, Quincy, Pembroke, and then in Hull. I retired about uh, 14 years ago. Been in Marshfield for 49 years since we've been married. However, uh, I've been in Marshfield officially since the day I was born, 1946. Um, my parents in 1940 bought a little cottage in Kent Park for $500, next to a lot of land, next door for 200 so we always spent summers down here. So when we got married, we decided we really did want to live in Marshfield. So we've been here for 49 years, uh, been heavily involved, um, raised all three of our kids here. Uh, all three have gone through the Marshfield schools, um, all very successfully. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of who I am. So how did you get involved with selling seeds? So a very good friend of mine, I was retired maybe three months, and I was getting a little bored, um, called me and said, what are you doing? That's kind of a magic phrase, like, okay, what do you want? And they needed someone to help out in transportation. Uh, we have a couple of transportation coordinators, so I said, yeah, I can do that. So I decided to, I volunteered, I did that. Uh, a couple of years later, I joined what I took over, actually, as director of transportation. And then I became an intake worker, and I'll get into more of that, what that is a little later. Okay. And then about um, five years, I think this fall, I was asked to take over the presidency of, uh, of Sowing Seeds. And, uh, so that's what I've been doing since. Cool. So for those that don't know Sowing Seeds, there might be people that you know, are new to town or are yeah. listening that, that don't live in town. What is Sowing Seeds? So Sowing Seeds, this is our, we're going into our 27th year. It was originally founded by all of the churches in Marshfield some 27 years ago. Actually, 1993, but we count the very first call we took was 1995. Mm -hmm. um, so since then, we've taken well over 12,000 calls for help. So sowing seeds is an organization that was founded to help all of the people in Marshfield who needed help. Um, all you have to do is ask. Um, there are several components to it. The most visible one is the clothing bin. Because everyone seems to know the little white church on the corner of School Street, Route 139. That's a clothing bank. And that building was given to us some probably 18, 20 years ago by the Baptist Church that sort of went out of business, so they deeded it to us. And that, that was a great you know, event for us. It gave us space. Um, the other part of sowing seeds is transportation. So we just started up again, thankfully, after almost two years of not being able to do that. So if you call in, you need a ride, a medical appointment, uh, a shopping trip, whether it's Plymouth, Weymouth, we drive medical appointments in Boston, call up. We have about 30 drivers who will drive you. Uh, we ask for three days' notice, and we kind of limit people to three rides per month. Uh, but since we reopened in July, that has been a tremendous asset because uh, people miss that. Uh, again, we're all volunteer drivers. We don't charge for anything we do. Um, the third component is the furniture bank. So um, I've kind of become jokingly known as the furniture guy. <laughs> um, if someone calls in and needs furniture, we have a lot of clients who are coming out of shelters, going to the first apartment, and they basically need everything. So I'll go on a lot of the forums, I'll search around and find it. Uh, so we provide furniture. The one drawback to that is we don't have any storage facility. I have been offered some of the most beautiful furniture uh, you know, dishes, furniture, I mean, sofas, dining room sets, we just have no place to store it. 
So we do it on an as-needed basis. And the fourth part that I mentioned a while ago is the most important part, or probably the least known part. It's called intake. So if someone has a need greater than clothing or transportation or furniture, they can call into the line. We have a recorded line. It's monitored 24 hours a day. Leave a message. Uh, one of our intake workers will call them back to get a brief history of what they need. We then send out, and now we can send out our intake workers in person. We couldn't do that for okay. a half. So they go out in pairs. We do a home visit. Do a very, very extensive um, assessment in terms of medical, financial, social, all of that. And then we help them in any way we can. So we go through thousands and thousands of dollars every month in uh, rent support, car repairs, medical bills. Uh, we, we help with car insurance. We help with um, utility payments. Uh, and that's the most hidden part. But that's the most important thing that we do. So we have about 30 intake workers. Um, we discuss the case. We meet once a month. Okay, and we discuss all the cases, see where we can go, uh, how we can help. Uh, and again, the most important piece is that every single thing we do is kept in strictest confidence. Uh, I just want to read you something very quickly. Sure. Uh, at the beginning of every meeting, end of every meeting, we have a confidentiality statement. And we live and die by that. So it says, to protect the privacy of those in need and those who donate, what is discussed here stays here. My wife has no idea what I do. Uh, you know, I, I might ask for some suggestions, but never ever like will I get into the you know, uh, into a case with her or into names with her. And we really, really pride ourselves on keeping it confidential. Um, it's also not a one and done. So we have a lot of clients that we've worked with now for over 20 years. Uh, we keep in touch with them. Um, I probably have five or six clients that I'm constantly in touch with sometimes. We'll check in on them. Um, we've had a lot of success stories. We've had a few stories that have not been successful, um, obviously. But we never, ever say it's one and done. Okay, here's your check. Goodbye. Uh, the other thing that we never do is we never, ever write a check out directly to a client. We'll write it to a utility, we'll write it to a hospital, a pharmacy, whatever. Um, we give out a lot of cards, food cards, mm -hmm. uh, gas cards, uh, clothing cards. So that basically is what sewing season is all about. We say that we are limited to Marshfield residents, but we do it on a case-by-case basis. Uh, and we, we have gone beyond uh, several times uh, to, to other towns, and depends on the individual case. How many people are involved in the organization? I know right it's, now all, we it's all volunteer, right? It's all it's 100% volunteer. Uh, not one penny goes to any, any volunteer. Um, right now, we have about 120 volunteers. Wow. Um, between the clothing bank, transportation, um, intake, furniture, uh, a lot of double dippers, a lot of triple dippers who do many, in, they might do intake, they might be a driver, they might work in the clothing bank, but we usually stay around 120 volunteers, uh, and we're, we're very proud of that, you know, that, that no one takes a dime from these organizations. How is the organization funded? Um, basically by word of mouth. Um, we don't do a lot of fundraising. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, on our 25th, we had this huge 25th gala plan mm -hmm. for Montreal Country Club, however, COVID intervened, yeah. uh, and, and we couldn't do it. But uh, we get a lot of private donations from people who, you know, they've, they've heard about us. Um, a lot of very generous individuals, a lot of very generous um, organizations in town um, have supported us financially. 
Um, so we kind of do it by word of mouth. We really don't have a fundraising arm. Um, it's kind of by word of mouth. Uh, we don't really apply for grants. Uh, we try to stay away from any kind of government you know, yeah. grants and because sometimes there's a lot of red tape involved. Right. But uh, we have extremely generous people in this town and in other towns who, who support us. So why is the organization so special to you? Some of that's been involved for so long. It must, it must I, I've been involved for a, a long time um, since I moved here. Um, example, I was Scoutmaster 2.01 for years, so I've been involved in that. Um, I was president of Friends of Music for many years on the board for 18 years. Um, I coordinated CCD at St. Christine. So I kind of have a history of being involved in things. My philosophy has always been if my kids are involved, I'm involved. Be field hockey, my two daughters, whether it be band, whether it be scouts, whatever. Um, you know, even in my professional life when I was a teacher, I was always involved in other things outside of school. Um, I guess I kind of learned it from my parents, um, you know, who were very generous, very involved, um, and my relatives who were very involved. Um, I think I passed it on to my three kids because they're all, especially my son, more heavily involved than I am. Um, but I really think you need to give back. People really need to support the community they live in, and this is how I do it. So I grew up with a, with a parent that's, that's a teacher, and as a teacher, an educator, you know, administrator, you're kind of a jack of all trades. Yes. You will do everything. What are some things that you took from your career as a teacher and administrator and you, you applied it to sewing seeds or I think maybe um, management skills. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of pride myself on being able to schedule and manage and keep mm -hmm. several balls in the air at the same time, um, you know, to the point of I, I have a couple of friends who are also principals, and when it takes time to schedule specialists, it's a hit. You do it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of, I think that's one of my strong points. Um, you know, my kids will say, you know, I need to basically let go sometimes mm -hmm. and, and uh, let other people do stuff, mm -hmm. but I have this need to kind of keep control with it. Um, and Sewing Seeds is a great organization that lets me do that because there's so many moving parts to it. Uh, so that that's the best part of it, is just kind of keeping all the moving parts moving all in the same direction. But, uh, yeah. So what's the biggest needs of the organization, for those that are listening? Right now, um, always finances. Um, you know, um, the clothing bank is incredibly well stocked. Um, as you may or may not know, we just got through doing our back-to-school thing with backpacks. We have gone through about 70 backpacks. School supplies. Um, example: Last year during COVID, we went through about 120, and those were fully stocked with everything from earphones to whatever you needed. Uh, we, we supplied. So money is always a need. Uh, gift cards are always a need. But the biggest need right now that we have is recognition. People need to understand what we are besides a clothing bank, and that's maybe we've been a little bit too humble in doing that uh, and letting people know about that. We're trying to find ways to get people um, to understand what we do and to get people to ask us for help. We're there. No matter what, no matter who you are, we don't question, we don't judge, we help. So you mentioned the word COVID earlier. Yeah. How has it impacted the organization? Interesting. Obviously, we had to shut down the clothing bank. Uh, we had to shut down transportation. We had to shut down all of our intake, but we continued to do it over the phone successfully. Uh, so that kept going. 
But what happened, I think it was a year ago, it was March 2020, we got a call from United Way of uh, Greater Brockton and Greater Boston. And they had started something called the Marshall Community Fund. Uh, and they asked us if we'd be interested in being part of it. Sure. So we were asked to be the financial agents for that. Uh, so there were actually two agents, uh, the Sewing Seeds and the Boys and Girls Club. So we kind of did what we were doing before. They had a, um, an assessment form that they wanted us to use. And we said, could you look at ours? And they looked and said, who's yours? So we did all of the vetting for all the finances. Um, we were getting requests from people who normally would never, ever need help, either out of work or they were falling behind on mortgages um, or they had to go back part-time So it was very, very successful. We worked very, very closely with the United Way and uh, Marshall Chamber of Commerce and the Boys and Girls Club uh, to make sure all of those needs were met. So if someone wants to learn about sowing seeds, where can they go? A couple of things. Um, we have brochures around town. Um, you can always call us and leave a message. Uh, the number is 781-837-3337 uh, or 781-83-SEEDS. Uh, you can go to the website, which is sowingseedsofhopemarshall.org. Um, talk to a volunteer. Um, leave a message on the machine. Uh, one of us is more than happy to call you back and explain what we do you know, and how we do it. Uh, if you want to volunteer, we can always find some place for you. Uh, right now, we're in desperate need of um, drivers to Boston. That, that's a tough one. Um, not a lot of people like driving to Boston. We've right. lost a couple over the past year or so. But... Uh, yeah, give us a call. Go on the website. You know, there's a lot of information there um, about us, and we're more than happy to talk to you. In regards to volunteering, are you looking for a time commitment? What What are some of the things time that you need to are, are Okay, so basically, let's talk about, let's start with clothing day. Most of the volunteers, we're open on Thursday and Saturday morning, except during the holiday weekends. So most of our volunteers volunteer one morning a month. Um, in terms of intake, that's kind of an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. So if a case comes up, uh, it'll go out to all the intake workers, and you can either accept it or not. We do it out through a lot of email. So that's kind of, you know, some people do a lot of intake, some don't. Mm -hmm. In terms of driving, when we get a request for a ride, uh, the coordinator for that particular month will put it out to all the drivers and say, we have a client who wants to go to such and such on such a day at this time. Okay, can you drive? The, the driver can say yes or no. So on average, the driver probably drives once every maybe three to four weeks. Um, yeah, so there really is no set time commitment. It, it's up to you what you want to do. So talking about the nonprofit world yep. in general here, so it can be extremely re rewarding. Yes. Um, but so occasionally there are challenges. What's the biggest challenge you guys have faced or you've faced? I think probably not just sowing seeds, but I think all of the local and we work very closely with them. We talk about the food pantry, the Hunger Molly Fund, um, you know, Simple Gesture, the Good Neighbor Fund, mm -hmm. uh, Community Christmas, Goodwill Hunters. You know, we work with all of them. We all kind of have the same problem, I think. First mm -hmm. of all, we're all 100% volunteer. Keep right. that in mind. So no one locally is paid anything. I think the biggest problem we have right now is competing against the big guys. 
the larger charities okay. you know, who have paid people and staff to do right. advertising. Uh, and my thing has always been my philosophy, think globally, act locally. So before you decide to give to a charity, or they call you on the phone, and we get tons of calls, I'm sure you do too, or uh, get a package in the mail, okay, check them out and see how much of that money is actually going directly to the people they serve. I can guarantee you the groups that I just mentioned, 100% of that goes directly to the people that they serve. Absolutely. On the flip side of that, yeah. what's what's the most rewarding thing? Just being able to help people. I mean, you know, you'll say, wow, we've answered 12,000 calls for help over the past 26-plus years. That, that's just amazing. And then we get into individual stories, and I'll, I'll give you very quickly. Um, I had a gentleman who called me about four years ago. He actually called the line. They called me to do the intake. Um, and all he wanted was a couple of propane tanks filled. I said, okay, I can do that. So I called him and said, I'll meet you at uh, a certain place to fill your tanks. So we had four propane tanks to be filled. We got to talking, and I found out that this guy was living in an old beat-up trailer in the middle of the woods, up and back where no one knew uh, he was there, uh, in Marshfield. All he, that's all he wanted. It's just propane, so he could use his propane stove, use his propane heater, and he had been there for two years. And I made a statement to him, and I said, wow, it must be really, really, he told me where he was, it must be really lonely at night. He said, no, the plane is. That just really struck me. Um, it's like, wow, it's like an awakening, an epiphany, that there were that many people in this town who basically were living in the woods who were homeless. Um, he has made it, he finally got out, he got an apartment, he's become very, very successful. Um, he was a, um, a handyman, very talented. So just by talking to him and giving him four propane tanks, we helped him out. I still stay in touch with him, you know, every, every couple of months, you know, I talk and say, how are you doing? He's no longer in Marshfield. But just that statement about, wow, people don't understand the amount of need and amount of poverty that exists in this town. Um, and I will tell you that Marsha, whenever we ask for help, it's an incredibly generous town. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I put a lot of things out on a lot of the forums looking for this, that, the other thing, whether it be clothing or school supplies, uh, for, with, especially furniture. Within, If I ask for sofa, within five minutes I have six sofas. <laughs> um, incredibly generous. You know, if we're looking for gift cards, churches will jump in, organizations will jump in. A lot of companies, Marshall companies, have jumped in, helped us tremendously. It won't take a penny for it. Um, from cleaning the building to landscaping to putting in a security system um, over the years, they won't take any money for it. That's just been incredible. And it's not just so we see that every group in town. Mm -hmm. When the crisis hits, this town comes together. And I think the best example that I can give recently is the Danny Sheen example. That was yeah. just incredible. You know, and that's what this town is like. We let you know as long as you let them know. If you tell them, they'll come through for you. So, what's something about the nonprofit world that may surprise people? Basically, that we're all kind of working on the edge financially. Uh, whether it be the food pantry, whether it be you know any other group in town, Good Neighbor Fund. Um, unlike uh, the big guys, and I'm not knocking the big guys; they do a lot of, of good, and I contribute a lot to some of the big guys. But they have professional fundraisers. Um, they have the ability to. You know, do mailings and do fund major fundraising. We, we don't. Um, 
The other thing I think that people would be surprised at, especially locally, is that we're all volunteers. You know, no, no one's paid. We don't have a $400,000, you know, CEO running a charity. Um, we didn't have a $4 CEO running a charity. You know, but I think that's one of the big surprises, you know, is that locally we are doing as much as we possibly can because there's so much need out there. You know, we're kind of struggling trying to keep, to keep going. All right. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about thank the you, and yeah. seeds. Thanks. Thanks for inviting us in and uh, hopefully got the word out and, um, you know, give us a call. Check out our website. Send a check, uh, food card, whatever. But uh, thank you very much, Jonathan. We really do appreciate it.